0: <laughs> Hi, this is Renee Fleming, and you're listening to the CVH Podcast.
1: That is what she's saying. Good morning. Good morning. It's Monday, April 11th. Oh, I took the last episode off there's too much going on. There's just too much going on. You know, I started this podcast when I had nothing going on. So it was very easy to get my work, get my, get my, uh, podcast in, but it's, it's, um, yeah, just, uh, it's not that life feels stressful or that I'm panicking, panicking in any way. I'm just, um, needing to, um, prioritize my time, uh, uh, gigs in New York always go by fast, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that the social calendar kicks up. Whenever I'm here, you know, I grew up on Long Island, and uh, you know, I've I've been working in New York for a long time, and and um, just there's just a lot of friends and family all around here, and there's there's a, a constant flow of of um, people to see. <laughs> and uh new opportunities that arrive and uh, arise and, and and uh meetings to have and and it's just sort of it, it's all very um yeah, i mean new york is exciting there's no there's no other way to put it you know if i'm in if i'm in another city you you just sort of feel like you can concentrate on what's in front of you and what you're doing but when you get to new york you're you're sort of thrown back into this business in such a way that it's all very enticing and exciting and, and you're going to a lot of other shows and you're you're going to parties and it's sort of just this endless social calendar uh, and so um you know you couple that with a family visit and and um and shows and and pretty soon you know weeks are just like whipping right by you and uh, anyway i missed the last episode and i was like damn that i just completely that just went by okay see everybody see everybody on monday it's fine. I don't think you cared too much. Maybe you did. There were a few messages. You gotta stick on a schedule. That's really the key to this thing. You miss your schedule, I think you start losing people listening and and I can't have that. <laughs> my fragile eagle can't have less people um uh listening. I need you all listening. Um My my uh my rake's progress score is looking well worn, which is good. It's good. There are people. There are singers now who who are utilizing um, iPads exclusively. Like the big one, I don't have a big big uh, the big iPad. I have a little one, but a lot of people, a lot of the younger, the kids, are using iPads, um, as their score, and they got like a little pen, and they're writing on the screen, and I think I'm just too old. I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust that that thing's not just going to completely erase everything that I did. Uh, I, I like the score of my hands. I want to feel it. I want to feel those pages becoming more worn as I get my work done. I, I feel more prepared if my score looks loved. You know, like like this Figaro score that's 20 years old. It's being held together with black duct tape. It's got notes in it from seven different productions uh, the Act Two rest It are by far the dirtiest pages because I've had my hands on them the most, and all, I mean that's also gross. Like clean your hands, but uh, <laughs> it's it's clear that that's where my my concentration went. You know, the, the corners are damaged. There's frustration. You know, there's coffee spilled on some pages. There's um, there's a smear of makeup. I'm looking at this. There's literal bite marks. In the top of this score from one day when I was working on it and got frustrated and literally bit my score. I can see twenty-year-old teeth marks in here uh, and and damage from throwing this dumb thing. <laughs> and I think uh, to me, there's the romantic part of the score uh, is a part of it. I I like to feel it. I like to see it. I like my bag to to feel heavy from it. I like to know that there's 500 pages here that I've that I have put in my brain Uh, you know I tuck uh, little pieces of a program in it or or a tag from something or a label there's there's like it's like a little scrapbook of of memories and then in my scores I, I keep in the back the places that I I did it and who was in the score I mean who was in the in the production and then how many performances and it's just like a little a little record I've been accused of being sentimental before and, uh, you know, I'm not going to deny that, but, um, uh, there's something, I would be very sad if that score was gone. I, I would, I would, you know, staring at it doesn't have a lot of value other than 20 years of my life into it. And, and, um, uh, I can't imagine an iPad having that same, um, romantic feeling. I I don't know. Uh Maybe I'm just old. I, I've always been old, so it's probably very possible that I'm just old. <laughs> oh, I hate talking about age so much, and, and somebody brought this up to me before. They say, you know, you talk about your age a lot, like like worried that it's a thing, and I never really, I, I, you know, the number has not always meant a whole lot to me, but um, how I feel does physically, and, and if if there's one thing I'm learning about uh, Le nozze di Figaro, is that this is a physically a young man's game and I'm sure, I'm sure that I'm in better shape now than I was the first time I did it. But physically the the amount of exhaustion that I feel when it's done is f- far superior now. And there's um there's like a, a reminder at the end of the show, like I'm I'm ready for bed. <laughs> but it's New York, so I end up going out to dinner every night and <laughs> It's compounding itself, but I, I do have, um, you know, 10 days here to, to uh, just stare at my Rakes Progress score, and this, doing the podcast today is actually a nice break, because at some point, the Stravinsky, you just have to put it down, put it down, and and think about it again later. I don't think that I'm ever going to feel prepared for this. I, I, I've i sort of determined that it's a bit like Votsek, in that even by the last performance, I'm still going to be looking around like, did we do it? Was that it? Was that right? Did we do it right? It's going to be one of those shows that's very um, active in the moment, gathering the information between the what you're hearing and what what you're seeing from the maestro and what you're getting from the prompter. I think that's going to be uh, more relevant um, than, than not say, which I really don't, you know, if you establish a tempo, you can pretty much guarantee that you're you are going to be okay if you're not staring at the maestro or, you know, we don't even have a prompter in this. And so it, it, Mozart, in a way, sings itself, um, uh, Memory-wise, anyway, uh, you know, I, I, I know what beat everything comes on. It's fairly straightforward to that. But with Stravinsky, where the where the tempo marking and the and the meter is changing every three measures, you you have to constantly be checking in to to know where you are. God damn, I'm boring myself right now. My buddy showed me something I want to tell you about. Um, um, anybody knows uh, Alex Schrader. If you've ever been around the tenor, Alex Schrader, he's he's maybe the funniest man on the planet, or. At least that's my opinion. It's probably a lot of people's opinion, but few people are quicker on their on their uh, feet uh, as far as getting the joke of life um, than than my buddy Alec and and um, uh, he turned me on to this thing he's doing in association with the Arizona Opera. He's um uh, he's come up with like a graphic novel for Carmen. And at first, I was like, "Well, w- what do we need a comic book for? What does that do?" And I kind of looked at it and I started looking at it, and he he showed me what it was and um it seems like this incredibly perfect accessible tool to introduce opera to a different group um not not to say i mean yes kids will definitely get something out of this but um it's this beautifully made graphic novel it's a comic book that's that's effectively what it is but uh, you know, telling the story of Carmen with this with this beautiful artwork, and and while I haven't been able to read any of it, if I know anything about my buddy Alec, is that it's it's you know the the text of it will be phenomenal. And uh, they got a little, they started up with this idea, and they they did a, a Kickstarter thing, and they shit they got they got funded quick on this thing. Um, I don't know, it seemed cool. I, I'm 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 um, excited to get one. Check it out. It's um, in association with Arizona Opera, like I said. And they've got a Kickstarter, and you know if you if you get in now, they're going to give you all sorts of shit. You know how that works. You know how those Kickstarter things work. Please, it's like this begging, like please pay for my idea. I remember, oh my god, I remember there was a singer um, back when I was a young artist, and or after I was a young artist, and then they were like a current young artist, and this singer, who will forever be nameless, had the fucking balls to ask people to pay for their audition tour in Europe. <laughs> I mean the it was it was so absurd at the time and I remember like the hate rage that was inside of me in the moment like how dare you not do this the hard way like the rest of us. <laughs> We were all broke at that age and, and what separated people who, who wanted it and from people who didn't really want it was was how far you were willing to go in your own uh, comfort uh, or lack thereof or how much of your own money or credit were you going to burn making this happen. And I, I really do believe that the big sacrifice or the idea of the big personal sacrifice is is what helps um, you understand whether or not you really want this. Uh, I remember that. God damn that. When I think about it now, it makes me angry again. I, <laughs> you know, normally when I hate, I keep it, I keep it quiet, I keep it to myself. But this one, this this one, I got to tell you about because it was, it was so absurd to me that this singer would appeal to uh, the community and be like, send me on a European audition tour, like. You were, who are you? I don't, why don't you go earn it? Why don't you go earn it instead of asking people to pay for you? I, there are plenty of times in this business, uh, when you're young, where a lovely patron will, um, take care of you in a way. I, I, I had a tuxedo bought for me when I was in graduate school because a, a patron saw what I was wearing and was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> and he sent me to Brooks Brothers to go get a, a real tuxedo. And that, that was, um, incredibly generous and I couldn't my head exploded at the time and of course I was happy to to take advantage and be so grateful to the guy and and um, um th- that that was like a, this little gift um you know and the, and then like the little scholarships in school you know you go and sing for somebody and and somebody gives you five hundred dollars you know but there, there were things like that that um that were charitable, but you know, we're in a business of charity, right? This is all paid for by, at least in America, this is all paid for by private donations, or the bulk of it is. And and so, um, you know, I don't, I don't, in theory, have a problem with it, but to like appeal to non patrons of the arts and appeal to like your friends or worse, your fan base, and <laughs> and want them to pay your way, uh, it made me a little sick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was at the dawn of of Kickstarter, and so I, I um, I, I'll give them some forgiveness, but it, at the time, I thought you don't deserve anything. <laughs> you either do this the hard way, or you don't get to do it. <laughs> I didn't like somebody, you know, cutting that corner and just appealing to to real people, and I, I, not to say that patrons aren't real people, but the patrons of the arts, this is what they do. If he if he went to a a patron of the arts and, and, and discussed a plan and and asked if he could, if they could help him, that, that's like a private thing. No problem with that whatsoever. But the broad online appeal to, to average people who, who aren't necessarily, um, uh, uh, patrons of the arts and offering them nothing in return, uh, you know, that, that just seems so, um, abusive, taking advantage of something. I don't know, taking advantage of people's, Heartstrings, you know, and so when I see my my uh, my buddy's uh, graphic novel, I go, "Man, this is first of all, it's not personal glory; he's not getting any money out of this." But what he's doing is bringing our art form to a broader audience, which I am full throated for. Uh, and and if you could appeal to young people and make it look um, more palatable to a, to a younger audience, it's awesome. I mean, Carmen is full of everything you need. It's you know blood sex murder all the all the all the good stuff jealousy rage all of the and then like incredible um uh, uh feminine strength you know it's 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 i love i love carmen i think it's i think it's one of those perfect operas and and so this seemed like a a a great thing to do and then you know in this kickstarter campaign you donate your 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 bucks and then all of a sudden they're going to send you one they're going to send you some they, like they're offering something in return i re- <laughs> Remember that fucking singer? Just like, just pay for my trip to Europe. <laughs> I don't know what happened to. Well, I do know what happened to him, but you know, if that, I think it tells a lot about a man. I remember saying. I remember uh, hearing somebody one time saying you could tell a lot about a man about how he uh, how he plays golf, uh, and if he cheats on his score, he probably cheats on every aspect of his life. <laughs> And I think that was one of those moments where you learned everything you ever needed to know about a human. (laughs) I judge quickly. Uh, Sometimes I'm wrong, but not too often. (sighs) Oh, man. We got three Figaro's down. We got three more to go. They're going incredibly well. So much better than I had anticipated. I hadn't even looked at my score until five days before I got here. Now, you know, this stuff's in my DNA. It's not, you know, there's a, there's a ton of muscle memory when it comes to most of this music. And so I wasn't, I wasn't living in a, in a fearful place of unprepared. I knew it was all like in this little tiny spot in my brain. I just needed to, to access it. And and there it was, you know, something that I learned 20 years ago. I, I, I pulled from the hard drive in three days. And then, uh, you know, we, we, I, I sang it back into my voice on its feet, you know, and Figaro, he, he lies just a half a step lower than Don Giovanni. And so it's, um, I can relax into that a little bit. I don't have to negotiate, uh, different places in the score, uh, in order to be sounding the way I want to sound. And so I, I can just sort of be me. It's really one of those roles where I can just be me the whole time and, and, um, I don't have to. Uh, I, I'm not making. I'm not making vocal considerations. I'm just singing, which is lovely. It's almost like vacation, but ex- except that it's four hours, and I couldn't be more exhausted when it's done. <laughs> I'm not the oldest member of the cast, which is good. <laughs> Our count, Jerry Finley, and maybe he doesn't want me telling his age, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's so unbelievable. Jerry Finley is 62 years old, and that's 20 years older than me. First of all, we look like brothers, and honestly, from 20 feet, I bet I look older. I bet I look older. Now, if you roll up on us, uh, and you see some laugh lines, uh, he might he might look older than me. But at 20 feet, I don't. I think that I'm the older brother, <laughs> and he's got 20 years on me, and his voice sounds like he's 35. And we were just, we're all on the side of the stage waiting to come out while he's singing I Vinta La Causa, and um, we're all, the whole rest of the cast who are getting ready to come on for the sextet are in awe of what he's accomplishing. The voice sounds so young and healthy, and then he himself, he's, you know, he's a thin guy, he's a handsome guy, and so all the all of those things come into play, he's got, he's got the best hair on stage by far, which really makes me hate him. And then, and then it hit me, and I go, "Oh, Jerry made a deal with the devil," <laughs> because there is no other explanation. And on top of it, he's a nice, funny guy. Like on top of all of it, you would just hope he was a total dick, but he's not. <laughs> he's actually a great guy, and I've been a fan for a long time. And I, and I, I was, I'm trying to just be colleagues and and friends with him, and not and not pretend that I'm in awe of him. But but I, I completely am. Uh, as is the rest of the cast, and honestly, as is uh, um, uh, the audience uh, who just are eating it up. And, and he did a classic pro move, uh, which I which I love and didn't realize it was happening until it happened until afterwards really, was that all during rehearsal, Jerry kind of held back, um, not vocally, you know he sang. He, we, we, he was he was very present for us um, you know musically, uh, but but Jerry held back, on the performance in rehearsals, his gestures were small. His reactions were small. Like he he had already plotted and planned what he was going to do, and didn't and didn't need a lot more than than traffic cop uh, during the rehearsal process. And then we get to the performance, and then all of a sudden, the pro shows up, and he <laughs> and he's he's just sort of schooling everybody around him in his. <laughs> I love it. I personally love it. I love the uh he he didn't feel the pressure to perform in rehearsal. He felt the pressure to be a good colleague and to get get it right and do whatever everybody needed to to do so that we're in the light. All you know, all the he did all of the all of the good colleague things uh except uh his own personal ego, I need to I need to perform in rehearsal. He didn't he skipped that part. And then when the show rolled around, boy, he turned it up, and you go, you just have to smile. You have to respect it, you have to respect that he didn't need to practice being awesome. He just is awesome and can turn it on and off at will. I'm absolutely certain he sold his soul to the devil, and someday they're going to come collect. <laughs> someday they're coming to, coming to collect, Jerry, and uh, I hope I witness it. I really do. because. <laughs> because the the good head of hair and the and the 35-year-old voice and the fact that I look like your older brother when I'm 20 years younger is all very annoying to me. <laughs> I also can't remember hearing a count that wasn't out of gas at the end of the aria. He's he's it's almost like uh, he's like warming up with the count's aria, you know like that <laughs> Oh, the further I go in this, the further I realize that some people just have some natural uh, tools available to them that I never had. <laughs> Why am I working so hard? Look at him. <laughs> He's owning this with minimal anxiety and and just just uh, slang. That's all it is. He's slang. Uh, that has been a, a fantastic observation. Uh, three more shows and then I'm rolling out of here. I got to get to... Uh, I gotta get back here. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta come back here for Rake's progress, which I need to now get right on uh, with the rest of my morning. Everybody, have a great week. I love you for listening. Uh, I will definitely see you on Thursday. I promise. I'm not gonna skip another one. I'm on top of my shit. Uh, all right, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next time. All right, bye.